What's up? It's episode 99, Pain Points of Wealth, and there is no good news. The Fed continuing to talk tough. Interest rates are skyrocketing. Inflation not coming down as quick as expected. Nuclear war potentially in Eastern Europe. Well, we're going to break it down for you today. We're going to talk about our view. Where is everything going? Are we going to this huge recession that we're hearing about week after week? And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about roulette, chess, poker. What's that have to do with your financial life? Well, you got to check it out. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. guys, we've got a Federal Reserve that if they didn't make mistakes, they wouldn't make any decisions. I mean, a year and a half ago, we said, you can believe Jerome Powell or you can believe your lying eyes, right? He told us that inflation was transitory. It was the boogeyman. It wasn't really there. We kept telling everybody, sure it is. It's right before your eyes. And now we have the same thing happening. They've decided to get extremely hawkish as inflation has appeared to peak. Gas prices are dropping. The housing market's dropping. I mean, we're at 7% mortgage rate. Again, you can believe Jerome Powell or you can believe your lying eyes. I think we have peak inflation. Hopefully, we got peak hawkishness on the part of the Federal Reserve. Well, all my clients would probably disagree with you, Dad. Everybody thinks inflation is going to continue to go up. The economy, the markets are going to continue to go down. And everybody wants to do the opposite of what they should be doing. And that's selling when it's low, not buying when it's low. Well, that's definitely human nature, right? We like to extrapolate into the future what our most recent experience is. And what got me is, you know, lumber prices are back to where they were before the pandemic. There was a big article about that in the journal earlier this week. So you're right, like on the ground floor and everyday prices, like we're all seeing it, prices are actually coming down. And all the information that the Fed's looking at is backwards looking data. Like what does the August CPI or inflation number have to do with where things are going to be in October and November? And I think that's the big mistake right now and part of human nature and part of investors as well is they're always talking about what happened, and that's irrelevant. It's really about where we're going. And if inflation truly is coming down, and I believe my lying eyes, Bob, for the record, and on the other hand, we see wages staying strong, and there's lots of reasons for that. We talk about it week after week. I'm hard-pressed to think we're going to go into some severe recession like we saw in 2008, 2009. You know, Chris, as you and I have learned, you know, all the years we spend with Ryan, ego is a very bad thing, right? And I'm afraid that Jerome Powell's ego is getting in the way here. I think he was very embarrassed. The whole Federal Reserve was totally embarrassed. I don't know if it was politically motivated. Some of my clients seem to think it was. But he's just made one mistake after another. Now, meanwhile, the economy is still strong. It's slowing down, right? And we do have employment numbers that are strong. But he's talking about having a million people lose their jobs. I mean, how does that help anybody? It's like, it, you know, you just had the pandemic. These people are back working. Does he really want the average American to lose their job twice? Well, you know what, Daddy, just going back to your comment about Ryan's ego, that's not the only thing that's inflation is affecting. <laughs> the problem is these video boxes that we do this podcast and it's just, it's not big enough for my head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that Ryan's box is getting bigger and ours are getting smaller, Dad. Yeah, I noticed that, Chris. And you notice we never get top billing on the podcast either. I'm starting to wonder about that. But anyway, I digress. But let's, you know, hey, let's get back to the markets, guys. You know, the markets, I mean, let's say that this is a year when nothing worked, right? The only thing going up this year has been inflation and basically short-term money market yields finally. But we're also in a position where 
as financial advisors, as financial planners, we actually have portfolios that we can really sink our teeth into. You have forward earnings at about 16 times, which means stocks are valued where they are in the average P.E. ratio. You have bond yields now that are significant, where we have a decent return in our intermediate bond portfolio, where there's great opportunity. So I was more concerned in January when we saw interest rates at zero than I am today. Now I know I can generate the income, generate the total return we need to help all of our clients overcome unexpected inflation and taxes to achieve their financial goals. Well, that's a great point because we're actually seeing yields, real yields, as I like to call them, are actually positive now, meaning that you're getting a yield that's over inflation. And that's the crazy thing. If you were locking into yields just six months ago, it was less than the inflation rate, which means if you're getting 1% and a treasury of 2%, well, that was less than inflation was going up. Now that real yield something like plus 1.5% or 1.5%, which isn't bad. But when you think about inflation out into the future, and inflation is probably going to be higher than it was last decade, you still need stocks in your portfolio because stocks really have that earning power that a bond doesn't over inflation where you get a real significant bump in terms of your return over inflation. And bonds just aren't going to do that. I'm with you, Bob. You want to have bonds in your portfolio. A real yield is good, but you can't discount not having stocks in your portfolio, where again, dividend yields this year are going to be at a record high. Cash flow is rich. You need that in your portfolio. That's interesting that you say that, Ryan. I was doing a projection for one of my clients last week. And one of the things that he asked me to do, he said, Chris, you know, what would happen you know, if we just sat in cash or just sat in, in low yielding bonds? And I showed him the difference. I showed him that he would run out of money at age 78 versus if he stays in the market, stays invested, compounds those interest and dividends, and only takes out what's necessary. That money's going to last closer to his age 100. So I said, do you want to run out of money at, when you're 78 or do you want to run out of money when you're age 100? And I think the answer was pretty obvious. Well, I think the one thing that we've done a really good job of communicating to everyone is we're truly in a new paradigm. This is not like it used to be, right? We are going through a change now. You can't be overweighted technology in your portfolio or growth. You know, you gotta make sure you have some small company exposure because that does better in an inflationary environment. Value is outperforming growth. You know, dividends are really important. You wanna make sure that you have bonds that have a maturity rate. You wanna have that hedge against inflation. You wanna have some commodities and some oil in your portfolio. A lot of you don't. I mean, you know, our subscribers most likely do, but we see portfolios, you know, one after another every weekend as we review these prospective clients, they're all invested in the portfolio of the last 10 years you just can't sit there and hope and pray, right? You know, the ARC fund's not coming back. You know what I said to a prospective client last week? I uh, compared their portfolio to the guy that wears his varsity leather jacket many years after high school. And the point I made, I said, did you think that guy was cool? And he said, no. I said, exactly. I said, that guy's living in the past and so is your portfolio. Yeah, we don't want to have a portfolio that's cool. We want to have a portfolio. You know, I like a portfolio that's, uh, that's the revenge of the nerds, right? That's the kind of market we have now. Yes, having bonds that come due. How boring. I love it. You know, having dividend stocks that increase their dividend every year. How boring. I love it. That's where we have to be. And the key is you got to take action, right? You have losses, do some tax swaps because you want to put money in what I call the loss bank, right? We are, learned, we are taught as children to put money in the piggy bank, put some money in the loss bank. There will be gains in the future. No, it's a great point. Right. There will be gains in the future because as you like to say, Bob, the world doesn't end very often. And I think that, again, is the one thing that's not being computed here. God forbid we actually get some good news. I mean, having the threat of nuclear war is a big deal, right? Like we see right now, having interest rates skyrocket right now is a big deal. Having 40-year inflation is a big deal. In a way, it's, it's hard to believe the markets aren't down even further. So I think there is some resiliency there. And you start looking at, again, the consumer. And the consumer, that's what the economy, the U.S. economy is run by the, the U.S. consumer. 
you know, the real wages are going to go positive over the next couple quarters because inflation is going to come down and wages are going to stay strong. And we're already seeing oil prices come down. That's a major tax relief for the average American. And what are they going to do? They're going to spend that money elsewhere. Like they're going to go out and shop. They're going to go on trips. They're going to go to restaurants. So, you know, I think the consumer, always the death of consumer is greatly exaggerated. But I think more than ever, if you start looking out, people are going to be in pretty good shape. And people's ability to buy and spend, that's what really keeps this economy afloat. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Uh, Two thirds of the GDP is consumer spending. And I agree with you, Ryan. And you look at oil prices. You know, oil impacts everything. You know, every product you buy, everything is manufactured, oil is involved. So the price of oil is really critical. What a lot of us didn't realize is that oil is now priced lower than it was before Russia invaded Ukraine, right? Everyone said, well, when the Ukraine war ends, the conflict's over, oil's going to drop like a rock. Well, it's been dropping like a rock. Hopefully that continues. I guess that means that Ryan can stop riding his bicycle and start driving a car again. I don't know, Chris. I was just said Manhattan. You don't want to be driving a car around Manhattan. That place is a mess. For the record, I'd like to be an adult by my 50s. That's my goal at this point. That's the long game. Oh, man, I can't wait to tell your mom. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 99, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I, this is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. I hope so, anyway, after our 75 years of collective experience. But if you want a more hands-on approach, you want to get your portfolio reviewed, get your financial independence plan put in place, if you've saved over a million dollars, Bob, Chris, and I will run for your total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. There's no firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally will build for you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's-eye view of your entire financial life. We'll hone in on every financial issue you have, whether it's building an income plan for retirement or financial independence, taking Social Security. If it's doing a deep dive on all your investments to show you where those hidden costs are. Wall Street loves to sell you investments that have high costs like annuities, mutual funds, insurance products. We'll show you how to reduce the cost on your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. Now what you make, it's what you take. And we'll look at your diversification. Are you overweight tech, disruptive technology? Did you get hit in the last couple of months as markets have been extremely volatile? Or are you still sitting in cash? earning nothing on your money as inflation now is at a 40-year high. We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but protect it over the rest of your life. If you've saved over a million dollars for retirement, simply go to www.pncm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, I thought we'd have a little fun today. You know at our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. We manage and oversee over a billion dollars. And all we do is financial planning for the different families that we work with. We're a boutique firm. And I thought today we could compare some different strategies that we see deployed in the financial world. And we can compare it to, is it chess? Is it poker? Or is it roulette? And as we know, roulette is basically you're rolling the dice. If it's chess, it's actually a real strategy. And poker, I would argue, is a little bit of luck and a little bit of strategy. And the first strategy that we see deployed a lot in our industry is market timing. Okay, Rye, so timing in the market. Well, I can say that's mostly like roulette, which I never understood how anyone could actually bet money on a ball going around a roulette wheel. I mean, talk about just pure dumb luck or chance and the odds being extremely negative. I just don't understand it. But timing the market sounds great. And with hindsight, it's simple. But you know, think about it. Do you know where the market's going to be tomorrow or a month or a year from now? No, you don't. And it's just like betting on a football game or making a bet at a roulette wheel. You don't know. It's all chance. It's all luck. And it's usually a negative result. 
Yeah, I agree with that, Dad. I think it is definitely roulette. But, you know, there's some other things, too, that you don't really talk about. It's that, you know, when you gain, you don't gain as big because chances are when you're timing the market, all those gains are short term. So you're paying ordinary income tax on those gains. And then, of course, there's the downside because most times you're probably going to be wrong. I don't know about you guys, but I've never met anybody that's ever been to accurately time the market and be 100% successful over the long run. Well, the problem is we always say this, you have to be right twice. You have to get out of the market, then you have to get back in the market. And I admit, Bob and I actually tried this strategy once when the, the great financial crisis hit. We did actually anticipate it because Bob's crystal ball was so much better back then. But what we found is it was so hard to get back in the market. And when we back tested it, we would have just been better off staying diversified, staying invested, as opposed to trying to be masters of the universe. And I think that's a great warning sign in our industry is like when anyone wants to be master of the universe, don't walk away, run away like a lot of these hedge fund managers on Wall Street. Well, that'll never stop you guys from being legends in your own mind. Well, that's the thing, Chris. It felt really good. We called the top. We were out of the market. We're sitting there. And then we saw these valuations come into play. I mean, the market just got crushed in 2008, 2009. But as the market went lower, the news got worse. And as the market recovered, no one wanted to invest because they said, no, you don't understand. Now things are really bad. Well, what we didn't understand was human emotion. So the worst thing you can do is get out of the market because like, I can guarantee you, you won't get back in until it's way too late. Well, that's exactly right, because it's the old saying, the darkest hour is right before the dawn. You know, ironically, in investing, markets tend to start to rally right when things seem like they're at their worst. I remember when the S&P 500 hit, hit 666. It was a very quiet day in the office. It was a very ominous day. And at that point, you weren't feeling the animal spirits. And then all of a sudden, the market turned like a dime and went on a tear. And again, you missed like 20% move had you just blinked. And then trying to get back in again after the market already rallied 20%, do you wait for another pullback? And you can see how problematic that can become. Another strategy that we see a lot is deciding how much money to convert from an IRA to a Roth IRA where the money is tax-free for the rest of your life. What game would you equate this to, gentlemen? I would say this one's probably more like chess, just because you know there's a lot of strategy involved with how you do it. And a lot of things are more quantifiable. So like, for example, you know, understanding what the tax consequences are. You know, you can run projections to find out, okay, if I pay taxes today, how many years of tax-free growth will I need to make to break even on this? So it's a lot easier to make a decision because there's more of a strategy involved. There are more things that are more tangible. And I agree, Chris. That's why you have to be so tax efficient. You know, you need to take, play chess with your portfolios while the IRS plays checkers, right? You got to stay one step ahead of them because if you have money, they want to tax it, you know, no matter what. And so you got to be very, very cognizant uh, what the tax implications are of making money. And one of the best things you can do is do a Roth conversion because that money is tax-free forever. Well, yeah, and right now is a great window to do that because taxes are relatively low, right? If you look at a historical basis, a lot of us since 2018 are in a lower tax bracket than we used to be. And as we all know, when you turn 72, your retirement accounts are a ticking tax time bomb, right? You're going to have to start to take money out of your IRAs. So if you're in a low tax bracket, you're not 72 yet, there could be a really good argument, and you're above 59 and a half when you stop paying tax penalties, to start to pay taxes on your money now at a lower bracket, and then that money's growth is tax-free, not only for your life, but your heirs get to inherit all those gains tax-free as well. It's a strategy everybody should be looking at, because as we like to say here, paying capital management, money saved in taxes, just as green as any money you can make invested, it's got to be a core part of your financial plan. Well, another one that comes up a lot, especially when we're doing our annual reviews, is deciding on when to retire. What's the date in the future that you're going to definitively say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to live off my portfolio. Hey, guys, you know what? When it comes to life, there's only two guarantees, death and taxes. And picking a retirement date really comes down to gambling, right? Do you feel lucky, punk, as somebody once said in a movie? 
you have to decide how long you're going to live. You don't know. And it depends on your lifestyle and it depends on if you're financially secure to do it. So picking a retirement date is personal to everyone. There is no rule of thumb that you should follow. It should be based on financial independence and achieving a certain lifestyle. I'm going to say it's more like poker though, because hey, you've got to pick something unless you want to work forever, which Bob, you're welcome to do it. We have a place for you at paying capital management all the way out to age 95. But what you have to think about is, look, you don't know how long you're going to live, but you always have to plan for longevity, right? We always want the surprises being the positive. So when you're running your financial plan, you can say, well, you know, my parents only lived into their 70s, so I don't need to plan past that. You probably should, right? Because we know healthcare is much better today. Longevity continues to go up. So you just want to plan for more, not less, which we always like to say, we like to bulletproof your retirement. You've got to throw your retirement plan at the kitchen sink so that, you know, essentially all the surprises tend to be in the positive, not the negative. And that's kind of the poker aspect to it is the calculating part is you've got to plan for more, not less. You know, guys, I spend a lot of time down in Naples on a horrible storm we just experienced. And my heart reaches out to everybody who's been suffering as a result of that hurricane. But I play golf with a lot of folks down there, met a lot of people who have lived into their 90s and they've actually run out of money and they're depending on support from their children. It's a horrible thing. So, you know, you really do have to base your decisions like a chess player, like a poker player. You've got to look for the inevitable moves and make sure you're prepared. Another one, my biggest pet peeve of all strategies is picking stocks. And you can watch CNBC all day and you have all these experts on there apparently never lose money, always pick the right stocks or always in and out of stocks at the right time, but they only tell you in hindsight, I'm a little suspect. What game is this, guys? This one is just like timing the market. This is 100% roulette. You know, it's like you just might as well go down to the Taj Mahal, which actually that's a bad example, go down to the Borgata in Atlantic City or the Sands out in Las Vegas and put a blindfold on and put your money on something and see if it hits. Usually it doesn't. That's why there's all that marble at the casinos. You know what, guys, though? I've been researching this company for months now. I'm confident it's going to be a winner, and I'm going to outperform the market. What do you think of that? Well, I hope the name of the stock wasn't Enron or Lehman Brothers or Merrill Lynch, because you know every company in the world can go bankrupt. In other words, their stocks can go to zero. There's never been a market, right? There's never been a diversified portfolio of stocks that's ever gone to zero. But any individual company can. If that's not gambling, I don't know what is. Wait a minute, Dad. There's an upside to all this. You know, basically, anytime somebody tells you that they want to pick a stock, that just means there's going to be a good tax loss harvest in the future because chances are that stock's not going to be a winner. And speaking of gambling, you know, I'm not a gambler, but I mean, if you see the statistics, 80, 90% of money managers underperform their benchmark, they're terrible odds. How are you and me that aren't even professional money managers don't have access to the same data? A lot of these money managers talk to the CEOs and CFOs of these companies, they can't get it right. What shot do you and I have if we have a monthly subscription to The Motley Fool? You know, it's fool's gold is what I call it. You know, believing that you can buy stocks and believe that, you know, they're undervalued versus the market. You can't beat the collective wisdom of the market. It's been proven over and over again. But as human nature, we're always looking for that magical stock picker. We believe we have these innate abilities to outperform everybody else. And it's, as we know, the stats are just so highly or strongly against you. You know, having done this for quite a long time, I've met a lot of investors, a lot of different people. And I've never met an investor that ends up on the losing end, but I've found a lot of speculators, a lot of gamblers who approach the market as a place to gamble, as a casino. And one thing, the one characteristic they all share, they have these gigantic tax loss carry forwards, not because they did it strategically, it's because they speculated on companies and they've lost all their money or whatever's left 
they think, oh my goodness, now I got to find an even better risk or higher risk to make it back. They never learn. So don't get caught. You know, don't get tempted. Don't answer that DraftKings ad that I see every day and don't pick individual stocks. You know what? We should have a radio show that talks about picking stocks and called it No Gains, Lots of Pain. Well, as Chris told me, it's more fun to go to the casinos to gamble than the stock market because they at least give you free drinks. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 99, Pain Points of Wealth. We have well over 100,000 downloads now. Thank you for the support. If you like hearing us every week, love hearing us, Chris's voice, Bob's voice, of course, my voice, please give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe if this is on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, you can like this episode. You can subscribe and click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of all our new content. And now, if you have questions for the three of us, go to bbullish.com slash questions. Bob, Chris, and I will answer all your questions. Submit your questions there. If it's a really good question, we'll answer it right here on the show. Go to bbullish.com slash questions. Thank you for the support. Hey, it's the Hidden Facts of Finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Okay, Bob. At some point in late 2022, the 8 billionth human being will enter the world, ushering in a new milestone for humanity. In just 48 years, the world population has doubled in size, jumping from just 4 to 8 billion people. That's remarkable. In 2023, a big shift will occur with India surpassing China to become the world's most populous country. China's held that spot now for centuries. Yeah, it's amazing when you think about it. We have the world population, 8 billion people, where just when I started in the industry, there were only 4 billion people on the planet. You know, it's one of the reasons why the stock market always goes up over time. The more people, the more business. And with the internet, every one of these billions of people around the world are looking at how we live in the US and how we live in Europe. And they're saying, hey, I want that lifestyle. So if I'm a company selling a product, I'm the happiest CEO on the planet because there's going to be 8 billion potential customers to sell to this year. And it's amazing that between India and China, you have almost 3 billion of that 8 billion. Think there's any opportunity in the emerging markets, guys? Yeah. You can't just have a U.S. portfolio. And Bob, I love how you always look at it from a capitalistic perspective. I admire that. Very American of you. Greatest system in the world, buddy. Chris. 12% of bosses surveyed by Microsoft say workers are just as productive working remotely compared to 87% of workers who argue they are more productive. Sounds like bosses want you back in the office. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I heard a stat the other day that Goldman Sachs, not only did they call other people back, but they eliminated the free coffee, which sounds very demotivating. Although here at Payne Capital Management, I think we've been very productive. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact that the, we had the earliest pioneer of working from home. Our dad, Bob Payne, I remember back in the day, he'd come down the shore and he'd have two phone lines installed at the house just so he could get his charts and answer phone calls from clients. It was pretty awesome. I thought it was a free coffee, Chris, is why we're so productive. I just remember how big those mainframe computers were on Bob's desk back in the day. I mean, it was the 80s and nobody had a computer on their desk, but Bob was working from home, computer on the desk, truly a futuristic man. Which brings me to my next fact, talking about another futuristic man, David Bowie, who He's probably one of the favorite artists in the Payne household. The original handwritten lyrics for David Bowie's Starman have been sold to an unidentified Aussie bidder at auction for $224,000. That's a lot of money for a bunch of lyrics written on a piece of paper. It really is. I mean, I, you know, I love David Bowie. I, all I can say is a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, for somebody buying their lyrics for two, almost a quarter million dollars. You know, you got to wonder how much fraud is involved, you know, in this memorabilia. How hard is it? to duplicate or replicate what supposedly is the original. I don't know. Give me a good old stock with a dividend over buying memorabilia. 
I don't know. I'd like to have David Bowie's lyrics hanging on my wall. I think that'd be pretty cool. It's better than an NFT. At least it's real. Well, you know what, right? Let me get off the call here and I'll uh, write some up for you. Dad, how about an original Enron stock certificate? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, another great show. If you love our podcast, you like our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, you can like this episode. You can click the subscribe button and click that notification bell so you can update a week of all our new content. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Music